every time we're like, well, I should do this or I should make dinner or it should look like this. And there's just always weight around that. Right. And there's usually some judgment because if I don't do it right, or if I don't do the should, then it means something about me as a person, right? I'm not good enough. I'm not being a, I'm not nourishing my kids well enough. I, I didn't have enough money to buy the food to make a good, right. There's always all this back stuff that gets really heavy. And that I think further contributed, contributes to this idea that it's really hard and it's always a struggle. So like, why bother? I think the minute I stepped on our practice field for rugby, the calling happened. An eight-year plan to be on the team. And I was in it within two years. Don't wait until you are a pro to be a pro. Right? And I walk around with a rugby ball sometimes and they're like, what is this child on? It looks like it was a heavy hit. It's up. It's not up. You know, that's the first time I played like professional. I'm making rugby money. How can I make money outside of it? And those two Scottish guys and they said, oh, you're, um, you're here for the movie. That rugby is a game for all shapes and sizes, all cultural um, aspects. He looked at me and he says, you guys are awesome. Yo, what's up everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift, Gift Time Bailu, and this is a show where we speak to people about the things that they've done, created, or taken advantage of via rugby. Hi! It's 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 good to be back, y'all. It's good to be back. It's been a crazy last almost year. This is eight, nine months. Uh, I mean, obviously, I have not really posted on here since January. So shout out to everybody who's listened to the podcast during the time uh, that I've been on a bit of a hiatus, to say the least. Uh, this is, yeah, it's it's been a lot. But I, I definitely have missed being able to do this on a week-to-week basis and just really properly getting to engage and just be a part of the conversation. And in reality, shoot, so much has changed even since January. And really, I think the last time I really got a really serious interview in was last year before my wedding. So, and that was November. So probably did it October, September, something to around that point. And I mean, so much has changed just in the rugby world from rugby world cup, you know, uh, more advancement MLR and, uh, obviously, you know, settlements when it comes to national teams, club teams, uh, you know, just a lot, a lot going on. I'm, I'm probably going to actually do that in a separate podcast because, you know, moving forward, uh, you know, I want to utilize this platform a lot more um, and, and utilize it for what the total name of this is, which is Grow Rugby. And so uh, in addition to the uh, interviews. I'm probably going to start adding in a few more uh, solo commentaries, some shorter pieces in between so that, uh, you know, you guys know what's happening, uh, or at least what my thoughts are on what's happening, and then be able to present on that. But it's been it's been a wild ride. Uh, and currently, am uh, living down here in Brazil, uh, not disassociated from uh, rugby in the U.S., but really growing where the rugby is going to be going to uh, moving forward. <laughs> Even especially here, in, particularly here in Brazil, you know, in an area that is asking for it, which is different. It's different. I, a lot of people have been asking me, you know, you need to put some rugby out here. You know, you, you want to put together a team. You got some nice stadiums in the town that I'm in. 
And, uh, you know, there's there's a solid rugby team just an hour north who I still need to connect with. It's just, you know, I've been here since April, uh, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of settlement happening at the same time. So uh, enjoying every moment of it here, definitely learning the language and trying to be able to raise in. I might end up doing a few uh, Portuguese podcasts over the over the in the future, just because of the fact that I, I you know, you want to be able to connect with the audiences correctly, and uh, people people here in Brazil love when somebody knows how to explain things in Portuguese. I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't like to have their things explained in their language? But like, it's 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 different, and people are really appreciative here. So it's been a nice little it's been a nice little uh, uh, welcome into the culture in a lot of ways. So. Uh, so look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bore too much. I'm like I said, I'm gonna do a separate podcast on this one and just kind of update and tell what's going on. And of course, you know, as we keep going into the future, you know, keep dropping things. So you guys will see a lot more on me on this platform that I've been off of for so many months, so many months. <laughs> uh, and yeah, if you guys have seen the background, see, there's just still like a bunch of stuff, you know, uh, you know. I got an off a different office, but you know, it, there's a lot of updating still happening, so you'll see it going on. But yo, this week uh, we're we're already going to be kicking off. I had a great guest, a uh, person I, I got to be introduced to fairly recent, Diane Johnson, who is a uh, natural nutritionist uh, in from Canada, and one of the reasons why I connected with her was because of her uh, her stance when it comes to youth sports and the way that young kids eat and creating the processes moving forward so that it can be something that establishes into their into their adulthood uh it was this was a dope conversation Diane is just a dope person altogether like she great energy knowledgeable about what she she does and and also takes it from experiences she practices what she preaches and that's huge when it comes to it so this wasn't necessarily a rugby conversation in the natural traditional sense but this was a very important conversation that rugby people especially as we go further and further into developing the youth side in the states and then even in other countries want to be able to establish the importance of getting the proper, not just the proper amount of nutrition, but the proper nutrition needed to be able to perform at a high level all the time from an athletic standpoint. And then, of course, just from a personal standpoint, it's always beneficial to be able to know exactly what to do next. So, guys, uh, Diane was amazing, great conversation. Uh, Like I said, this was a conversation uh, about her experience, about nutrition and then of course how it relates to rugby guys stay tuned for it uh you're gonna love it so without further ado diane johnson of diane johnson consulting guts and just the nutritionist expert master check it What's up, everybody? Welcome to another great episode of Grow Rugby. My name is Gift Gift Tommy Baylor, and of course, we got a VIP on the podcast today, coming straight out of Alberta, Canada. Uh, she is a teacher. She is a coach. She is a nutritionist. She knows wellness and is trying to get your kids and the youth and 
really setting up our future to actually learn how to take care of themselves at an early stage that a lot of us didn't really know how to do until much, much later in life and still probably still learning how to do it. Diane Johnson, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. <laughs> thank you. I think I need to, I'm going to record that. That was like the most excited introduction I think I've ever had. <laughs> you know, look, 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 we come in strong. Look, I, it's, uh, we've had the conversation obviously before, but you know, when we talk about things like nutrition and kind of going into even this era now, how much we education we need to know on it, you have to bring the right energy. All right. We bring in the right energy and it's such a great thing to be able to do. Uh, you know, no pandering intended. It's, the voice is still high because I'm excited, but it sometimes it sounds like it, but it's like, no, this is really real. <laughs> it's so true. I think there's a lot of uh, just kind of a feeling or a dialogue around like nutrition is really hard. Yeah. You know, and I um certainly we all can experience our challenges within, you know, exploring that and trying new things and that kind of thing, but I I don't believe it has to be hard. I don't I don't believe it does. I think it's a mindset mindset shift that we get get to step into and can start exploring that makes it all a lot more easy and fun and like free, right? Free feeling. You know, it, it's funny. I had a friend of mine uh, tell me uh, we were doing some work together and she had she had made this mention uh, when she had kids. Initially, she didn't love cooking. She wasn't a big fan of it. And um, and, and it kind of it played into the, how her kids health ended up going. But somebody told her, like, the reason she doesn't love cooking is because the basically it was because what her mindset behind cooking was. It was not cooking for growth and for love, but it's cooking because for bur the burden of cooking was basically what she was talking about. And I think it, it, it speaks a lot because even for me, um, I, I still have that kind of element where sometimes it's like the idea and the process of cooking still catches me because my mind goes, I'm hungry now. And I just want to eat in this moment. I don't want to wait another 20, 30 minutes. Though, ironically, ironically, in purchasing food, we'll still wait another 20, 30 minutes. It's just me not doing the immediate work. So it, it, it still falls into the same kind of arena that you already uh, are on. But because of the fact that there's this mindset of the amount of task and work and uh, how much of an output in a slightly negative way, uh, it doesn't make one necessarily lean towards it, but for you, you're saying again, it's 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 perception as opposed to reality. Yeah, well, and I think like there's well, first of all, like one thing that popped into my head when you were talking is like the number of I call it shoulds. I'm sh like uh, people talk about shoulds, right? And I say like stop shooting all over yourself. Like just <laughs> we every time we're like, oh, I should do this, or I should make dinner, or it should look like this, and there's just mm -hmm. always wheat around that. Right. And there's usually some judgment because if I don't do it right, or if I don't do the should, then it means something about me as a person, right. I'm not good enough. I'm not being a, I'm not nourishing my kids well enough. I, I didn't have enough money to buy the food to make a good, right. There's always all this back stuff that gets really heavy. And that I think further contributed contributes to this idea that it's really hard and it's always a struggle. So like, why bother? Right. right? But that, I think one of the biggest mindset shifts that I have experienced and that I try to introduce people to, whether that's like a, like a, an adult client I'm working with or whether it's a teen athlete is like, 
this is, it's not just food, like it's nourishment, right? This is the way that we live our life. And usually if food is feeling really hard, there's often something else in life that's feeling really hard because it's all connected, right? It's all connected. And so I often think like food is a really cool lens to look at, to sort of get a glimpse of like, where are other things in my life that I can make them more free, more easy, right? If I peel back the shoulds and like, what just feels good right now? And sometimes that is, I don't actually want to cook. Right. Right. Well, what's my next best option? Right. Or if there's no shoulds around that, then it just gets to be an experience and we get to make a choice based on how we feel in the moment and learning to like witness the judgment that we often have around the things that we should or shouldn't be doing and where that all comes from. It's a, it can be a full on like deep dive. <laughs> no, but right? that's, real. that's real. Like, yeah, I didn't even think of it like that, but in reality it, it does. It, it usually is there's always something that creates a little bit barrier. Again, using the example I said before, for me, it's it's time. It always feels like there's something that's pressing. I think it, it's one of those that you pick up from way in life, but it does constitute itself in it because in, in its cooking form, because there is also those times where like very rarely, mind you, but those times where you're just like, yo, let me just go make something and you just enjoy the process because there's no pressure that goes, there's, like you said, there's no should that goes behind it. It just simply is, you know, you're just, I'm just enjoying. And then you just enjoy whatever it is that's been created. I, I think that happens whenever it comes for me. Uh, I, I think it's come when it comes with grilling or something like that. Like it's just a very simple process, but in the mind is just the moment. And it doesn't change really the consumption in terms of, um, whether I'm going to eat it more or less because it's just enjoyed, but mm. it's a peace of mind that goes to it. Mm-hmm. Those little, like, um, like the mind, the mindful piece, like you said, just, and the, and how, um, and this is why I talk about lifestyle too, because I think just over the years are our, our nine to five typical push, 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 go, go, go burn the candle at both ends lifestyle does not allow for nourishment really of body of heart, mind, soul, all of that. And so when it, like I, I talked, I'm like, well, does it have to be that way? Like if, Mm -hmm. you know, we get in the logical, we're like, well, the bills to pay and we got to do all the things and the kids got to go to all the sports and we, but does it, right? Does it really? That's only because of it's what we know. It's the lens that we've seen. It's what we've brought up through or we've come up through. And so it's often the only lane that we see. And in that version of our life, everything is fast. Everything is hard. There's always more to do. It's never enough. Where I think like when I was introduced to changes in nutrition, it was nutrition, but it was also my, my stress. Like I had to make some pretty big shifts in how I was living or I wasn't going to live basically. Right. right? And so I got introduced to exploring that stuff when I was in my twenties. So I think for me, I mean, that was a challenging time, but it's been able to kind of play through in my life. And so I like my husband and I, we consciously are very, yeah, very conscious of like, are we living the life that we really want to live that allows us to nourish ourselves 
in right. all of these different ways with food, with, um, with time, enjoyment of time. Right. So, that. and like nutrition is a, is a piece that fits into that big puzzle. But I think if we can just start even catching glimpses of, well, does it have to be that way? Right. right. If we can start asking questions, if we can get curious, that's the key is curiosity because there's no judgment in curiosity. It's just like the, I love the picture of I have this image in my mind, of this little kid with a magnifying glass looking at a bug, like in the grass and just looking like they don't care if it's good or bad. They're, <laughs> they're like, they're just like, why does it have so many legs or like, how big eyeballs are right we can take that perspective into why do i hate spending time in the kitchen like just as a question right that gives us a platform of just exploration and and no good or bad or no should or shouldn't but just being curious about like well why is that is it because life is just so fast that i just don't have time well, does it have to be, right? Just all the questions, the curiosity of things, I think is the jumping off point to to kind of looking at things a bit differently and giving yourself the opportunity to experience things in a different way so that eating well doesn't have to be hard. It might be hard now. It might be hard now, really true. But it doesn't have to maintain that kind of struggle. No, but I think like it's this, you know, the plasticity of the mind, the way that we are able to change our mind we change our mind, right? Like we can, it's hard. It's not easy, but it is there for us if we choose. And I think I just love the the idea of introducing that to people. Well, it might be hard now, but it doesn't have to stay that way forever. I love it. So I always like to say, because before we really start jumping in, every superhero has every superhero story has its origin. And I want to kind of jump to your origin on this. So if you can, can you tell us, you know, how is it that you started on this journey uh, to this kind of realization and, and, and moving forward? But really, how did you get started onto this journey initially? Um, so if I like, for a long time, I was, I, it started when I got sick. So I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when I was 21. And it took a long time for me to get diagnosed. So by the time I they told me what was wrong with me. I was really sick. Like I was in the hospital for a month. I was fed through a tube. The surgeons were always chatting. Like, do we need to take the colon out now? Can we, you know, it was pretty touch or go for a while. Um, And it was, and I was sick. So I was immediately into everything medical, all the drugs, all the therapy, like everything, only medical stream. Mm. Um, And it helped me and it saved me at that point. So I'm super grateful for that. Um, But when, so that would be like my, that's when it started because even though the medical process saved me in that moment, when I got out of the hospital and I was trying to taper off medication and all of this, nothing was changing and I just kept getting sick. So I, um, I spent my summers working in the mountains at a backcountry lodge in British Columbia. And, uh, I was just surrounded by people who had a different view on a lot of things. Like everything was very natural all around us and people were handing me books and my, my coworkers were doing Reiki on me in the staff lounge. And I was like, what's Reiki, right? Like I just like 20, what? (laughs) No clue, but okay, this feels good. So sure. Um, Just like all these droplets of things that I was so curious about. So when I, 
got out of there, I just started reading. I started, I booked in to see a naturopath and they immediately started talking about food. And once I, um, I, I was so, I guess just so astonished that these were the answers and they were so simple. It, right. Again, it was hard because I had to cut a bunch of things out of my diet, but it was answers. Like it was hope something could change. And it, it almost immediately changed for me. It was probably about two weeks and I could start coming off medication. Oh, wow. The light bulb was just going off like, oh my gosh, like why did nobody tell me about this? So in that time, like before you, as you were in the kind of the medical pathway, before you started hitting the uh, naturopathy, uh, what kind of lifestyle was it that you have? Were you an active person? Were you kind of just chill? Like what was, what was kind of the basis of it as well as how you knew it was just like so accelerant within you? Yeah. Which I love that because that's, like I said, when, when I think about it, the first thing that comes is, well, I got sick, but the reason, the reason that I got, that's why I started on this journey is the me and the me of 13, 14, 15, who was overweight, super insecure, acne, um, didn't want to be seen, didn't want to raise her voice, just, and yet wanted so badly to be seen. Right. right? Um, my dad was in, my dad and my godfather both were Olympic athletes. All of my, my mom, my godmom, everyone around me was a post-secondary athlete. I brother was an athlete. I was athletic, but struggling with my weight and, and just putting myself out there in a sports space, right? A lot of pressure in that family to be able to be athletic. And yet when I think back, it's taken me a while to talk about that because I never felt like it was, it was from within me. That was where the pressure was coming from. I had full support from a very loving, wonderful family, but it was within me for whatever reason. And so insufficiency, and when that's where it all started, that's the, where the journey started for me. Um, and I didn't know it was related. Like if I had known when I was 13, that I was sensitive to wheat, dairy, sugar, spelt yeast. If I had known that then right. I may never but, have ended up where I was. But at the time, it's not something that's talked about. I mean, we're talking about like, this is something that's only been brought up in heaviness in pop culture in maybe what the last 10 years. And really, anytime before that, it was either hippie mumbo jumbo or it was um, far extremist uh, Eastern belief behavior, which goes back to the proverbial hippie mumbo jumbo that was always (laughs) created. So, you know, it it, it wasn't something where we're, we're sitting back and like, oh, you know, perhaps maybe maybe this plant that we have in all our basis of food i mean we're looking even at the food pyramid where wheat is literally the bottom rung which doesn't make any sense now is 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 set there so how could this be the enemy of it so yeah no, no i i can imagine uh, yeah just... pretty cool so like such a a physical journey for sure yeah. body physical healing but so much emotions feelings pressure. Um, and that's just the way, but the other thing is like, I think there's often a lot of, uh, people talk about trauma, right? That something really bad must've happened. I don't think anything really bad ever happened to me, but it was whatever the wiring in me was myself just took on a lot. And it's so interesting or it makes perfect sense to me now, knowing what I know about energy centers in the body and where we carry things that I ended up with literally a disease that was eating away my insides 
because that is what I was doing to myself. Right. Emotionally. Right. Right. I didn't know. No, you know, you just don't. But so this is just a constant journey. I'm still peeling back layers of worthiness and, you know, um, the, all of it. It's, I think, you know, we think about healing. First of all, we don't get to decide how it happens. Right. right? Um, we just get to start somewhere and trust right. that that's that there's a process there for us and there's healing to be had for us in whatever way it goes up. Um, yeah, but it's there is just so many pieces, but yeah, it takes a whole new kind of spin to uh, the idea of we are what we eat because <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it really does. What, what we take in feeds how the rest of the body wants to go and the rest of the body feeds the way our mentality end up pro, uh, placating itself out to. So uh, uh, the strength of that, uh, where, as you said before, it becomes all connected uh, together. And it's, it's very understated, but it's also very, um, very m- immediately impactful. Yeah. I think we think, uh, you know, like you take take the Tylenol and that's the quick fix. Like we're, we're pain is gone in 20 minutes. Exactly. Right. But um, it's amazing actually how quickly things can change when we look at food, water, right. thought, belief, right. That those are those, I think we sort of assume that either they don't work or they took a really, really long time. And yeah, right. they take time. It's slow medicine, right. but um, often I think the, the things that we discover about ourselves along the path are they happen faster than sometimes we expect. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So kind of continuing on to your journey, you know, (laughs) you, you you realize, I I love it. We're going to, we're going to bring this all. It's all connected all (laughs) together. We're going to jump through this. All right. (laughs) right. (laughs) Venture into the grow rugby zone. We, we hit all the depths if we can. Um, But you know, you, you came off, you're 21 years old. You entered into this, uh, and you started to feel this immediate relief. Um, obviously, I'm going to make the assumption that the the full knowledge of it did not sit into your mind all at one time and just came through. But this was kind of the opening gate. So for you, what happened after that? So was it just like, okay, now you recognize this kind of way of heal- eating and, and, and lifestyle, but you're also secluded into this mountain environment where it's easier to control it. So you come back into the real world, what happens? Um, I think that I was at a point when I started that, like after I left the naturopath's office and they were like, you can't eat wheat, sugar, yeast, spelt or corn. That was the other one. Right. I went straight to the store. Cause I was like, well, there's nothing in my house I can eat. Right. 21 year old university student. Like everything was bread and pasta and is there anything at the <laughs> store that you can eat? You just talk about the basis of the U.S. economy. Yeah, I literally <laughs> spent like three hours in the grocery store reading labels. And I was just like, oh, okay. So I ended up leaving with vegetables, fruit, right. and right. lean protein. Nothing in a bag, nothing in a package, just real food. And... I mean, we, my mom cooked home meals, all that kind of stuff growing up. But I think, you know, when we're in our teen years and things like the on the go eating, whatever's around and just eating without really paying right. attention. So that's just what I was doing. Right. Um, 
But I think I was at a point of such desperation of like, I can't keep living like this as a 21 year old. Like what, what is my life going to look like that I just bought in? I just dove into the food. And I, like you said, I didn't understand all of it. Um, But I, I just listened to everything they told me. I took every supplement, I ate the food and things started to change. And it, I mean, it was, I lost all the weight that I had always been unhappy with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I finally felt like I was in a body that fit the thought that I had in my mind about what I should look like, be mm-hmm. like, right. Um, and it certainly evolved. So like that was my university years. I went away to university to study education. Um, like none of my roommates were eating what I was doing. I was mm-hmm. pretty good with kind of doing what I did because I was, it was a lot of fear for me. I was like, Oh, if I don't do it, I'm getting sick again. Um, and full disclosure, like I did flare, like I did continue to need medication. I did, I did kind of have my ups and downs, um, through that time, but it was absolutely a foundation. And I knew at least that I was giving my body things that would support it. Right. Right. That if I didn't, I was going to be way worse off. Um, and it was also in that time that I, I think the seeing how quickly that shifted for me with just food made me start looking at stress and emotions. And so, you know, I got into yoga, just like exploring. Um, I dabbled in meditation for a while and then got into it more significantly in my 30s. Um, I remember my naturopath giving me homework about like, you need to journal 20 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Again, part of the psychological release, getting, getting it out, right. Dumping all of that out of the mind and the body. Um, I remember also being introduced to EFT, the tapping. So what is EFT? So I'm dropping them. Now I'm going to forget the name of it. I can. Say it too, <laughs> don't you, don't you hate it with a habit. It's like, I'm like, known, I'm it in a, I got a sheet from my naturopath. They're like, it's basically you tap at different yeah. areas of the body and you repeat a mantra or an affirmation mm-hmm. and it's reprogramming subconscious patterns. Right. Uh, and interesting. So that was, you know, maybe when I was 23 and interestingly enough, that has just come back into my life now. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm tapping <laughs> again. Um, but yeah, it's just been little dribbles kind of all, all, all along the way. Um, but absolutely. Like I did also have surgery. Like at some point I did decide that I, I was ready to be done with the ups and downs of right. chronic disease. And I chose surgery. And there were a lot of people that, you know, applauded me. And there were also practitioners of mine that told me I should never, ever, ever consider it. And so I think, you know, even through the whole process coming to a point in my life where I could land in a decision for myself and trust that it was the right one for me, regardless of anything else. And for me as a person, that was a big step to be able to just stand in myself and say, no, this is my choice and it's my body and I get to decide um, and it was, I mean, three months after that, I was pregnant. It was insane. Oh, oh wow. So yeah. you, that's a lot of trauma in a very short period of time in terms <laughs> of like physical, yo, so I was going to ask, I was going to say, you know, did you feel that, uh, the lessons that you learned, um, in terms of, of, of the food health up to that point actually probably set you up better for what a post surgery recovery would actually be versus if you had gotten the surgery at an earlier stage, without actual having, you know, alternative knowledge, 
Do you yeah. think that would have, you know? Absolutely. It took me actually a long time to be in this holistic space to advocate for natural, you know, natural and holistic and alternative therapies, knowing that I, but I, I failed. I chose surgery. Right. Like that was a whole thing that I had to come around for myself. And like you said, understanding that it was all of that learning, all of those experiences, the strategies, all of it that I gained that got me to that point to allow me to thrive through that kind of traumatic surgery. Right. Um, that, you know, coming out of the hospital, I knew what to eat, A, based on the fact that I no longer had a colon, right? how to like put good quality foods in my body when I wasn't allowed to have any fiber, Um, you know, like had I not gone through all of that, all of the learning, all of the training, the the holistic nutrition, like it all set me up for success. Right. And you know, I healed quickly. It was the craziest time of my life. I had surgery in June. In August, I got married. In October, we left to go travel in Australia in a van for three months. Oh, wow. I had an ostomy bag. So I was. Oh, so you had the. Oh, wow. Um, my, my, and the day, the day before we left, I took, I was like, oh man, like, could I actually be pregnant? And I took a pregnancy test. We were literally packing up our house to get on a plane the next day to go across the world. And I find out boom, pregnant. Wow. And then the, so off on a tangent, but the, the seat in front of like both my husband and I were just like, what the (laughs) literal, like what, (laughs) what? (laughs) Um, And in the plane on the seat in front of the seat in front of us was a young family with a baby, probably like a four or five month old baby that kept like popping over the seat and looking at Nick and I, and I was just like, you must be an angel just here to talk that this is going to be okay. Right. Like just, yeah, such cool things happened after, I mean, lots of cool things happened in my life, but those was just like abundance, like just dropping it, drop, drop, drop. Um, it was crazy. It's a level of reassurance that, um, that, that adds again, it it goes back to that psychological, almost, um, borderline ethereal kind of level of trying to understand how life moves forward, you know, because you have all these, this lineup and buildup, uh, and, and of course this, the roller coaster of struggle that goes in between there. Um, but to know that, each one seems to have had its own reward at the end of each struggle. Um, continues on. Uh, let you, I guess, gives it reassurance. You guys still ended up going to Australia, right? Oh, yeah. The okay, first okay. doctor I saw was in the Blue Mountains just outside of Sydney. She's like, yes, you are pregnant. Nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, so from that point, what took it from being – a self journey to now wanting it to be more external and expressive one for other people. Was it that first child that set it up or was it just a very smooth guided path for you? (laughs) (laughs) So I, I remember telling my dad when I was five, when he asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, a teacher. And that has always been, I was a high school phys ed teacher when I was really struggling kind of in the middle of everything with my health. I stepped away from that to study nutrition Um, and kind of by accident, but also not. It was 
opportunities to go into classrooms with past teacher friends of mine to talk to athletes because I had been coaching a lot. So it was, you know, all of those connections that started pulling me and saying, well, will you come and share with us what you've been learning? Coaching um, and naturopathy. Uh, like the, just a, yeah, mostly a focus in nutrition, but because yeah. I was in like the athletic stream of things and my teaching and coaching, it was often teacher friends like phys ed classes and sports right. performance and teams that were, well, oh, come talk to my athletes about nutrition. What were you coaching specifically? Uh, Uh, My sport has always been volleyball. Nice. Yeah. So I played, that was my sport. Um, That's what I grew up watching. My dad played in the Olympics. My, you know, that was, it's been, it's a, it's a family thing, I guess. (laughs) It's literally (laughs) in the blood. (laughs) Um, Is this also what your mom did as the post-secondary as volleyball as well too? She, so she did play. Um, she also did some track and field and my godmother played. So, yeah. And then it was, um, at one point my dad was coaching, um, with the national team. And so there were always like high level athletes, like they were at our house for a barbecue and yeah. watching them, um, you know, like, so it was always just around. So volleyball has been a game I've loved for a long time. Oh, yeah. it, 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 it was stuck in there. It, it was going to be a part of your life, whether was, you wanted it or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so that's where it, I guess it started transition to teaching about food um, or nutrition. Um, And it was just really interesting in those first few times getting into the classroom and talking to kids. And I think I had a bit of a, like just a preconception that like, well, they're mostly just eating junk food. So really this is a conversation about quality. That was like my thought process going in and what has kind of the realization over the years of doing different activities and, um, reflections and things with the kids in these classrooms is that quality yes but more so even quantity especially Mm -hmm. for young athletes because their demands are so high and was going into classroom after classroom and just seeing that like they're actually not even eating anywhere close to enough regardless Mm -hmm. of what it is um and then I was also at that time working in a volleyball club and just seeing a lot of challenges like seeing unhappy kids and unhappy parents and Mm -hmm. not kind of not performing to a level that they were excited about or not enjoying things. And just, again, the struggle, right? right. Always struggling. And I was like, that is not what I believe sport to be, right? I believe so much in the lessons that sport, the abundance of sport, the enjoyment, the, you know, like, I'm like, where is that? And so I think from my own journey, such powerful answers coming through food and then seeing what these kids were missing. I was like, they have no, there's no foundation there for them. Right. We, we want to play well. Yeah. That want to play well, but with what fuel, like how are we doing that? We want to go to the gym and get stronger, but we don't have enough energy in our day to get through school. Right. Never mind practice and then to the gym and then to all the other things that a young athlete or young a team goes through. So again, like you mentioned, like the smooth process, there was really no smoothness. It was sort of like a step and fall over and be like, Oh wait, that was cool. Okay. Well let's do some more of that and go a couple more steps and fall the other way and figure that out and come back. So yeah, but it's, but it's been really cool to see some of these athletes embrace it and the changes that come for them. So for you, whenever you were looking through, whenever you, as you're starting to kind of in one way or another, research these kids, uh, both in experience, 
from your personal experience, and obviously, you know, your your initial premise was just based off of the quality versus the quantity of food. But did you see any of your particular athletes that you were like, let me let me try a test to see if I can help them in, uh, on an individual, like maybe one of your uh, uh, a potentially high performing volleyball or one of your friends, uh, you know, one of their athletes. Did you see something where it was? that particularly stood out to really actually kind of create the thread where you really were seeing the higher need for the 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 mixture or the balancing of food and in in its quantity and quality like did you see where it actually started to see direct effects on on their yeah. performance um well, I was, so I was also at some point along the way trained as a yoga teacher. And so I did a lot of yoga teaching also with student athletes. Right. So kind of over the years, it, my teaching to them also incorporated the sort of the stuff I've been sharing with you, like on a, you know, down, downplayed, but it's about, it's about food fueling the body, but we also have to rest and, yeah. and we want to be happy. Right. So this, again, like the full circle thing. So I was doing sort of just like one-off yoga sessions, one-off nutrition, things here and there, and had the opportunity to work with um, the women's volleyball program at the University of Calgary, which is not far from where I live. And they were dealing with a lot of um, athletes who were injured, um, dealing with some health issues and generally the team was not performing the way that they wanted it to. And so the coach was sort of looking at a a holistic picture, like how do we get these athletes really thriving so they play well too. And so I came in, we did nutrition with every athlete. There were, I think, 19 of them on the team that year. And we did biweekly yoga with them, which we laughed. The coaches, we would laugh and say, like, this is essentially forced rest. (laughs) They don't know how to intentionally rest. They can lay on the couch and scroll on their phone or watch a movie, but it's not the same. Right. So we, we started this and um, I was with that program for two years. And then um, I wish it wasn't so far from my house, which is why I stepped away because I was driving so much. And just, what is that almost Alberta, Calgary? What is that like a two hour turnaround? Uh, way? It would be, it would be total about two hours. It was an hour from my house to the university. So it just got tricky, but the, but in two years they had the coach statted it and she said an 80% decrease in injury and illness in a two year process. So that was nutrition. I did multiple sessions with every athlete through the season. We had bi-weekly rest which I call, we were doing yoga, but yeah. it wasn't like workout yoga. It's right? actually like, helping them shut the mind down the and mind. actually relax yes. the body. It's yeah. Yeah. Because recovery doesn't happen when we're constantly going all the time. Like I, I kind of chuckle, you know, we see t- the teams like, especially youth sport teams, right. And they're like, yeah. okay, recovery, like five minute stretch. Everyone's like there in the circle trying to touch yeah. their toes. And talk <laughs> to their and sure. Like the kids get some benefit from that. But in terms of recovery, the body yeah. doesn't recover when it's firing all the time, that's not when it happens. So we made them deeply rest twice a week and fueled their body. And they had a also working with a trainer that was amazing and 80% decrease in injury with this holistic perspective on how do we help the athletes thrive body, mind, soul, and then look what happened. They won Canada West that year. 
That's amazing. You know, it, it's really interesting to me because you would think that in the collegiate environment, an area that is almost particularly used as a petri dish for um, health and development in a lot of areas that had such a poor um, display or poor uh, um, uh, preparation for it. For you, is it something that, I mean, I guess it is, but for you, is it something that you see consistently, like, to no fault of Calgary, University of Calgary's own, like, they only know what they know, but is it something that you see being consistency in a lot of sports uh, environments, that there is a lack of understanding of what true recovery actually means, and there is a poor understanding of what legitimate nutrition um, especially nutrition support for elite levels of play. Yeah, I think so. And I mean, I certainly can't speak for every program, but doing this work and part of what I try to do every week is just talk to people, is talk to coaches, talk to elite athletes that have gone through, you know, maybe they've just finished their post-secondary career or whatever. Mm. I'm, I'm trying to always learn more about what their experiences have been. Um, you know, when I was at UFC with those particular athletes, there were, you know, these amazing athletes that are like six, four and jumping out of the gym and all of this. And they would eat cereal for breakfast, like one bowl. And they'd have a salad before a four hour match. And like there were, and that's what they've been doing for their whole elite sport. Right. right? Cause these were elite. These kids have always been elite. Never, never was never, never told how to actually fuel their body right. through it, through growth, right? Like right. now they're done growing. So now it's really like, let's support the demands, mm -hmm. that activity right. demands, but all through growth and development, no information. Right. And um, last week I was chatting with a couple of guys in the States that played baseball and it was very, you know, they're, they're like on the farm team for the major leagues and they're still not getting any nutrition support. They said wow. the guys on the big leagues, they might, you know, they get catered meals and stuff. They might have a nutritionist with the team. Um, nothing significant. Nothing to significant. And it, it, for me, I think looking at having starting off with the youth population in terms of youth athletes and then seeing with the university kids where they were starting their university journey as right. an athlete, like they're just, if they had started when they were 13 with a basic understanding of these are the foods that I need to eat to give me energy. So when I go to practice, I actually feel good and I can play good. Right. That that even alone would make a difference for them at university. Right. Um, so that's, I think part of my, like, I love working with that young age group, but I right. just see like, if we can plant the seeds when they're young, like what is possible for these young athletes? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, again, I, my friend who she was a track and field athlete, and when she was, this was exactly her story. When she was younger, uh, 13, 12, 13, 14 years old, uh, actually 10 to 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, she always was able to perform at the highest level at, at that time. But her thing was she was always, um, she was nutritionally depleted prior to the game because she would never eat before meat because if she eats, it makes her feel heavy or weighed down and give a poor impression until she started getting into collegiate level where now you're performing at a much higher level at a much more consistent level. And she started to feel the, um, the lack of nutrition in her performances. And it actually 
started to pull back to the point where she ended up having to step away from from track and field at some point in time. Uh, one of many reasons, but that was one of them. Uh, was the fact that she was just not able to perform at the same level that she had during her high school and and uh, preteen years. And so, like, when you speak about the fact of, you know, what athletes need to have, uh, you know, I, I, we always talk about, you know, we know that you need to have good food, especially at least afterwards, but that beforehand there's so much worry because it's, do I eat? If I eat too much, am I going to be too heavy? Or am I going to get sick if I'm going to get running? Or uh, if how long before I eat? You know, or is it going to be something that that makes me sluggish at the wrong time? So whenever you speak to athletes on it, like how is it that you uh, describe to them to kind of set their their nutrition timing between when they have to perform and what they have to do from a day to day basis? Hmm. Um, so I think for young, like most of the athletes I work with are between the ages of like 12 to 18, sort of like school age. Right. So right. for me, time. there's a lot of conversation about this. If you eat, you know, your pregame snack 30 to 45 minutes before you play. And then when you're done, you're going to have your postgame snack after you play, like just even simple, simple for them. Right. Yeah. You need to eat and you play and you eat and you play. And then we focus on what does that pregame look like? Well, it's got carbohydrates in it. It's easy to digest. So it's going to give you quick fuel. And then after we're going to get some carbohydrate again to replenish. And we're going to get some protein to recover, like just keeping it pretty simple for them. But it's, it's also for them daily. So we talk about performance, like game day. What does that look like? But game day might only be like one or two days a week. Right. What's happening every other day. And those are the days when they're not eating breakfast because they're rushing out of the door to go to school. Their, their lunch hour at school is 30 minutes long and they spend three quarters of that in line waiting in the cafeteria to get often not great quality food that doesn't Mm. digest well and they don't have time. And then they didn't have time because they were busy last night. So they didn't pack a snack. Right. So it's, it's, um, it's very individual for each kid. We give like general, right? This is, you're going to do this and you're going to rest and you're going to do this and you're going to rest. But to understand that there, every single one of them is facing their own challenges around eating, whether that is they're so overwhelmed in their minds that they can't rest. They don't Mm -hmm. feel like eating because their body is doing everything else except digesting food. Right. Um, to what's available in the home, to just understanding what foods are going to help them, to what's happening with peer groups, like what they see in the media. Like it, they have more challenges with eating than anybody else. I, like, I mean, typically I mean, there's nothing there for them to, right. like, let's help you through this. So, you know, kind of rolling back to what we were talking about at the beginning was the perception and and the mindset that goes into creating and, and preparing your own food. Um, you know, at that age, obviously, as you spoke, there's school and, you know, there's social pressures and, you know, you have your own personal time. So uh, what are some things that, you know, you suggest to uh, kids early and obviously it can resonate into adults, but definitely starting it early. What is it that you suggest to parents uh, to give to teach their kids to properly learn how to prepare 
uh, uh, prepare them, prepare their food and be able to be properly ready and in the right mindset that this isn't a burden, but this is part of the, uh, the, the process. Yeah. It's uh, I was actually chatting with the club director yesterday about like, we need, we need to support the parents because the parent as busy as the kids are, the parents are busy and they are, and we've, you know, we are kind of generation we've grown up in like the go, go, go push, 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 do all the things we were in that lane of lifestyle. Right. And so nourishment, food, rest, they all are coming last. Right. To, but there's not enough time. I have to do things. Right. So I think, um, and that's a hard thing to change because people are, you know, unless someone is ready to explore that, I feel it's all, all we can do is like you said, plant the seeds, like offer different, different, insights um provide education like give give space where they can step in to learn and maybe they'll take something away and they try it and it's a process of slowly changing things over time Mm -hmm. um but i try to bring across that like this idea like it doesn't have to be hard there are ways to find good quality food that isn't breaking the bank because it's tricky out there right now for that for sure Um, there are ways to create good quality food that isn't, you know, going to take you three hours in the kitchen or an hour in the kitchen um, and helping, like helping, whether that's giving them recipes or giving them meal plans or, mm-hmm. you know, inviting them into a space to chat that I try to, it's, yeah, it's, it's tricky for the parents for sure. And as much as I talk to the kids fully understand that they leave my sessions and then they go home. Right. And then it's, it's the life. It's all of the things that are going on there. What's been cool though, is to hear from the kids that like, Oh, well, after, after we left, then I went home and talked to my mom and dad about this. And now we have this in the kitchen. So maybe now we have some quinoa or some hemp hearts and I'm putting them in my smoothie. Amazing. Right. There's a win. Right. So I was going to say like, is there some examples that you can probably give to us um, of, of some solutions that some kids have, some of your students have used uh, in the past or have used pre- that used presently that might, you know, jog off some ideas for others um, yeah. to, to figure stuff out. Um, so sm- smoothies, I guess, of the moon, pretty common, but they're mm-hmm. um, invest in a good blender mm-hmm. and add vegetables into your smoothies because you won't taste them mm-hmm. and you can pack a ton of nutrients into a smoothie you can divide it up you can like you know you can use it at different points in the day it's fast the other nice thing for young athletes especially one of the biggest things in the last year i've been hearing from kids is that they don't feel like eating right and this for me is back into like they're just so busy body's not ready for food and that's the message that they're getting like i don't want to (laughs) eat so smoothie is nice because you can just sip on it the nutrients are there. It's already broken down. It's not stressing right. your digestive system. So that's a re- but get like invest in if you can even get one secondhand a good quality blender that will actually break all that stuff that really fibrous the vegetables and things down. Otherwise, you're left with like <laughs> chunky things and nobody likes that. So right, <laughs> those are that's a I think a great strategy. Also, like for parents who are cooking meals, cook more. 
Like if you're cooking chicken breasts one night, cook a double or a triple batch and put the rest of it in the freezer. So on the night when everyone is running around and people maybe not even sitting down to eat dinner together, you can throw it in the oven or the microwave, warm it up, put it out, and it's there. It was right. you know, 10 minutes versus another hour in the kitchen. Um, and that'll save money too. Um, and even like with the cost factor, like grow, just put some pots in your house and grow lettuce, grow kale. Really? Oh, yeah. Does it take a lot of time to be able to do that? No. If you have a window, you have some sunlight in your space, or you can get a grow light, like just pots with things. And uh, this is credit to my husband, who's an organic master gardener. So we have things nice. growing everywhere. But I think we sometimes are, well, I don't have a garden. You don't need a garden. You know, grow some herbs, grow some greens, add them to things. Um, that that you know it's a it seems like maybe you know it's three dollars for a head of lettuce or four dollars for a head of lettuce but that's four less dollars that you have to spend and it just continues to grow in your house right and you have those returned seeds and you you don't have to worry about the any how long does it usually take for for those to grow do you know mm, I would probably have to ask my <laughs> ask, <laughs> ask the expert who's outside right now but um we he created for us like at our house we have some outdoor wicking beds so they're fed yeah. from water off the roof so we don't really have to water them oh, and nice. we have some kale and things growing in there and where we are it's only now starting to warm up right so he planted those probably in march but because they're in these little mini greenhouses they're already starting to grow so if you can grow them in your house probably takes a couple few weeks for them to actually you know to be able to harvest but once they start you can just clip the lettuce off. You don't have to pull the whole thing, right? Oh, and it'll regrow itself yeah, back. It grows itself. So things yeah. like, and it's kind of just like a new way of doing things that, you know, most, not everyone is growing things, but we could. No, really, once it's good. planted in the ground, it doesn't take a lot of time. Might have no, to water it a bit. Maybe that'll help you remember to water yourself. No. <laughs> Giving all this good water to these plants, you know, maybe I my body could use it as well. Water. I could eat this beautiful, and that's the other thing with the energy around food, and I don't need to get into it, but like you nourished this plant. Right. You put your own energy into this growing thing that is then going to nourish you. Like that is a cool exchange of energy, and that in itself, regardless of the food, is nourishment. Right. Right. No, so I don't necessarily get into that with the young athletes, but you know, little ideas like that for parents, I know uh, protein powders are a huge thing for young athletes, mm -hmm. which is tricky because they're not made for kids. Right. The nutrients aren't, you know, it's not the right, it's not based on what they need. It's based on adult bodybuilders basically. Right. So, you know, are there other things we can do? Sure. Add some quinoa to your smoothie. If it's a good blender, it'll blend it up. That's protein. Add some hemp hearts. Right? Is, when it comes to the protein, does it do those alternatives provide a, does the, a similar amount of protein as you would from a protein powder? Because I know, especially when it comes to like obviously this is a rugby podcast. When it comes to <laughs> rugby players, you know we it, we're, we're dealing with impact. We're dealing with uh, things that you're you're trying to build muscle. You're trying to uh, create more durability against your body. So a lot of it, and especially when it comes to muscle development, you want to bring that out faster, especially when you're younger. You want to see that 
happen? Are those what are does quinoa help enough to be able to facilitate what that can be, or are there other alternatives, or is it just something to add into and it can create an additional supplement to what you need on a different foundational basis? Yeah. Um, so a couple of thoughts, like I try to advocate for balance. So I have, you know, here anyway, where I am and like, we are like the beef place, right? Like everyone's, it's all the beef, all the cows, all the time. Um, that like animal proteins certainly have all the amino acids that we need for that building. Right. Right. Um, and we're going to use that and, and benefit from it. Right. However, it doesn't have to be our only source of protein. And, you know, if you look at, I don't know if you've seen anything about the blue zones, like the places in the world where people are living the longest. Now, these ne- they're not necessarily high-performing athletes, but just general mm-hmm. longevity and, um, like, enjoyment of life at an old age, they typically eat less animal protein than we do. Right. So they're, they still have animal protein, but they're also consuming more plant-based protein. So quinoas, beans, lentils, nuts, seeds, those kinds of things. And they just have a beautiful balance of how it all works together. So I think certainly for athletes, especially, it's really important to make sure there is enough protein coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we can do that with a variety of foods. So yeah, maybe you use the protein powder and maybe there's some quinoa in there too. And you have a little bit of head parts in your smoothie to, you know, give you, because it's, it's about protein, but it's also about nutrients. And if we're always eating the same foods all the time, we're always getting the same nutrients all the time. We end up with a whole bunch of some things and not enough of others. Right. So if we can just have variety and, like balance, bring in lots of different stuff, try a new protein source each week or go on a bit of a rotation. Maybe you have a meatless Monday, but then, you know, Tuesday you're having chicken and you know Mm -hmm. that there's a, most people that I have encountered get an adequate amount of protein in their diet. As long as they're consuming animal protein, I have worked with some athletes who've decided to be vegan, not Mm -hmm. to say that you can't be a vegan athlete. You certainly can but you do need to pay attention and make sure that you're getting the protein that you need simply because you require more plant-based proteins to get to that level that you would get from like an an animal base. So it just is, again, it's just a different path with a different awareness about what key things you're focusing on in your body. Uh, Yeah. I was going to say the, the other part is how much of a plant-based because, you know, uh, obviously it's picking up a lot more now and, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're seeing more repercussions from uh, animal animal farm behavior, obviously, whether it's from forestry loss to gases, et cetera, like that. So a lot of people are moving towards or and, and sometimes even from a health, a lot of times now, even from a health perspective, moving towards more vegetarian, more vegan elements. Um, do you do you do is 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 there a way is there a way but do you suggest ways of being able to supplement the additional levels of protein that you needed from uh plant-based items that wouldn't come from um animal amino acids uh, basically let me restate that question is there ways uh, it, what are other alternatives to of animal proteins that can be used to make up that same amount of of protein and uh, be, while also obviously still getting you nutrition from your B12s, your A's, D's, C's, et cetera, yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, 
there's some stuff out there about like pea protein. Mm -hmm. Usually it comes in a blend. So you'll find like a pea or a rice protein in terms of a supplement that could be used instead of like a straight up whey protein. Um, if, if, if that, like having the supplement to top things up is, is something that's required. Um, I, I always, especially for young athletes, because again, supplements aren't necessarily tested or created for young athletes is like to get, put oats in a smoothie, put quinoa in a smoothie, put hemp hearts in a smoothie. It gives them extra calories. It gives them bulk and it does add protein to that thing. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm sort of forgot your question or if I'm off on a different tangent from your question. Um, hey, it all works. It all works. <laughs> it's all connected, Diane. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, proteins one that come up. It comes up a lot. It's always a question, and usually with athletes, it's the focus. Yeah. Am I, I have to get. I need more protein. I need more protein. Yeah. Sometimes they do. Most of the time. Most of the athletes that when I meet them, they're having at least three to five servings of animal protein a day. And that will typically get them where they need to be unless they have really high demands. And then we look at it. Um, but I think the thing too, is that it is so individual. And when it comes to like, are you the meat eater or the omnivore or the, are you the vegan? I really think it's an individual thing. People are different biologically, ancestor DNA, um, there was a book I read years ago called eat right for your blood type, which it, I keep, it keeps coming up. So I think I need to go back and read it, but it was not long after I discovered that wheat and dairy and those kinds of things were not really great for my blood type. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly the foods that I had cut out and started to thrive without them. Whereas there were other blood types that specifically thrived on a plant-based diet. Um, and, you know, research, you might hear yeses and nos about this, but it was an interesting philosophy um, based on like where your ancestors started on this earth and what they right. were eating. That makes sense. Right. That That's, like, that this still, it's still a part, a part of us. I know for me, at least at this point in my life, I would struggle with a plant-based diet. I've got a big frame. I have more muscle mass. I've all, you know, I, I don't in my gut think that I would thrive only with plants. Also my digestive system, the way it is, would struggle breaking down some of the right. main things on a regular basis. However, I've met other people that it's the complete opposite for them. And once they cut out animal protein, they felt amazing. Um, and it can also change in our lifetime. Right. Right. That we're, I think that's one thing with nutrition we get into like, well, this is the way I eat. Well, I have had to modify my diet several times and I'm sure it will continue to evolve as I get older, right. but that we get to do that. It gets to be, uh, it flows with us. It's not like locked in forever. That I, I really appreciate that sentiment because I think that is something that I, again, is part of the process. And sometimes it feels like it's a cop out, but it's not that there's not a one size fits all uh, dietary plan. There's, the no. idea that some plans will work for some people, some don't work for others. Uh, so it's not a I'm vegetarian and vegetarian works consistently across board. No, we see it where sometimes you do need the animal. Sometimes you don't need. Maybe you take all of it out and you become vegan. Uh, it, it, it does seem to vary. And I'm 
that's that's it's good to know. I guess it's just the question of trying to find that right balance and and be able to have a better understanding of the body, which I guess goes back to the the psychological and uh, uh, spiritual journey that this <laughs> diet ends up being on. <laughs> yeah, I think like one of the things to consider is just like to really tap into like how what your body is showing you. So if you feel heavy or bloated or really tired after a meal, okay, what was in that? How, like that that's I think it's kind of it often is just our normal, right? So this is just the way I feel after I eat, and that's just the way right. it is. Is that really? Does it have to be like that? Probably not. Right. Mm-hmm. Like our body's constantly trying to achieve balance and homeostasis. So it will give us messages when it's not at that point. So if we have, if our skin is breaking out, if we have massive headaches, if we're achy all the time, if we, yeah, that heavy, so much is felt in the gut, so much, but we're very good in our world at shutting it down because right. there's this to do and that to do and that it's too hard and but if we just can sit back, get still for a moment and just notice, again, curious about what is going on, what is my body showing me? Right. That, and sometimes it's then some experimentation. Well, what if I took this out for a week? Right. And How maybe gonna through end up that, right? right, then, oh, wait, I don't, my knees don't hurt right now. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Light bulb. And then, and... And three years down the road, it might change. Oh, right? But it's, it's, so it is a process of like tapping into it's it's awareness of ourselves, our bodies, what we feel, what we are thinking. Awareness wow. is a big piece. I love that. I love that. Uh, final question for you. You know, as as you continue this journey, what is the thing that you feel has been a reoccurring moment that you keep finding uh, in this process that it keeps being a reminder over and over and over again. <laughs> this too would probably be different every day, but today <laughs> for the last few days. Um, and I know something that was a theme for me as a kid is the word, the worthiness, the actually I'll show you this. So oh, I have yeah. cards that I pull for myself every once in a while. And this is the card. Oh, nice. That I pulled actually just before we got on this call. I love it. Yeah. So the the worthiness piece that I deserve love, I deserve to love myself exactly as I am. I don't need to fit into any image or idea that, like, I think there's so much waiting. Well, I'll do it when this happens or I'll, I'll be happy when I lose weight or I'll, you know, but it's like, no, what's what's there now like you're worthy of it all right now and if you can start there like that my focus the last few days of like i'm worthy of drinking four of these water bottles today (laughs) right and when it's about me it doesn't feel like a chore right i'm worthy of taking my shoes off and going and walking in the dirt in the garden today when I could be sitting on the computer, but I'm not going to because I'm worthy of just grounding and like getting in contact with the earth and nourishing myself. I'm worthy of that. Right. That it's, I um, think self care is, has even become a chore. Oh, I need to do my self care. Right. That's it goes legitimately against the whole purpose of it in that very mindset. 
self-care gets to be the way that we live, right? The way that we eat, the way that we consume, the way that we love, the way that it's, I tell my husband I love him, that nourishes me, right? right? I get a hug from my kids, nourishes me. It's just, I think it's how we, it's retraining the brain about how we conceptualize. Yeah, self-care could be a bath or I get, or I take myself and get my nails done. Sure, that could be self-care, but self-care could be paying attention to my thoughts when I wash the dishes. Word. Right? So, yeah, that would be the theme right now, the worthiness of that continual care for self. I love that. I love that. Uh, Diane, I want to thank you so much for, for you just taking the time. That was amazing. Like I feel, <laughs> I feel nutri- nutri- nutrient, I feel nutritious in, in, in the soul right now, you know, in, in, in with new, the knowledge and, and just kind of the, the, what's the best way of putting it? The, the, the comfort of knowing that this isn't just a, a, you know, ABCD battle, but it's also, it's it's one that is as much internal as it is what we take externally in. Uh, it, it it I don't know if it necessarily made it less complicated, but I think it at least made it a little bit more fluid, uh, which is always a big plus. Um, but I want to thank you so much for being able to take the time. Where can people find you at? Ah, okay. Um, so I'm on because we connected on LinkedIn. So I'm on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. Diane Johnson. What I share there is primarily for the youth sport community or sport community. I'm on Instagram um, at DJ Wellness and at It Takes Guts, which is the youth sport focus more so. Um, and then I'm on Facebook at Diane Johnson. And what else? I have a website, which is uh, www.djwellnessconsulting.com. Excellent. Um, I, I do have a YouTube channel, but it's not, there's stuff on there you can check out and it's just me. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's there. What you're saying is you need to get more active on it. All right. Know, you need right? To bring this into the internal as well too. All right. We- Actually, I will mention I'm starting something next Tuesday that I'm calling the weekly and it is simply a weekly conversation about nutrition and lifestyle. Um, and it's just, it's happening in a Facebook group, but it will be on a Zoom. So I'm sort of figuring out the logistics of that, but it's just a space to come. It's consistent conversation. It's new ideas, new perspectives. Um, Do you just, know when you're going to be announcing it, uh, where, 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 the, where you can announce it so that people can access the platform? Because it's not going to go out like today. It's going to probably go out next week or a couple weeks. Yeah, now, so I'll, I'll be sharing stuff both on um, like on my Instagram at DJ Wellness. I'll be posting it on there um, so you can follow it along or find out how to get access to that kind of thing. Um, excuse me. Our conversation this coming Tuesday will be mostly about cravings. Nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. That'll be good slowly bring the people in i love it uh, <laughs> diane thank you again so so very much uh like i said this is awesome and look i i, I will say this because i have to say it in full honesty i make fun of canada a whole lot but you've made it a lot more difficult for me to tease canada not too much more difficult but a little bit more difficult. <laughs> that's awesome that's that's fair we can take some teasing Oh, well, thank you so much. I, I love chatting with you. It's an absolute pleasure. Diane, ah, 
I appreciate this so much. And I hope you guys were able to glean something from this. This was a lot of great information. Take a lot of uh, experience to be able to pull from. So, guys, if you get a chance, definitely go check out some of the other episodes and just recap who we talked to. We're bringing it back hard and going to go as much as we can. And no, it's, it's a lie. That makes it sound like there's finite amount. No, we're going all the way. We're going all the way. We're getting in. We're going to try and make sure we learn more about people like never before and just continue to be able to be on that process. Something we started a while ago and we're coming back again for so many reasons. Just so many reasons. Mainly, I miss being able to do it. So, in the meantime, I want you guys to absolutely know that I hope that you're happy. I hope that you're healthy. And I hope that you know that you are highly favored all the way through. Until next time, cheers.